Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Night, um, we received a phone call, and one of Brady's very best friends, um, you all have seen them around here, Sam and Zach Toma have been around here. Zach, he's 16, 17, what is it? 16 years old. He ran his car off the road last night in Spencer County and hit a tree, and the tree fell over the car, over the front of the car, totally demolished the, the car. Um, when they got there, Zach was laying out on the ground. People were attending to him. And uh, so about 3 o'clock in the morning, I was at UofL last night, able to go in and see him. As far as we know, he is stable. Um, he was able to talk a little bit last night. They, they are concerned with a few things, and they're running some more tests today. Um, so I want us to pray for him. Um, uh, Brady, Brady was with him all day yesterday and got home about 11 o'clock uh, riding in that very car and uh, hanging out with him. And um, so I'm grateful for the protection of the Lord on my son and on Zach. We love those boys. And um, so we're, we're going to pray in just a moment. I, it was precious. I walked into the room and he looked up and saw me and he immediately just started crying. He had told his mom over and over again. He said, Mom, who was the buddy that was with me? Who was the buddy that was with me in the car? She said, there was nobody there with you. And I told her, I said, yeah, there was, there was somebody there with him, that's for sure. If you, if you saw the car, you, it's an absolute miracle that, that he is even alive. I mean, he, he, hit, he didn't hit a little tree. He hit an oak tree, and the tree fell across the car. And um, so he's at UofL, and uh, we're going we're gonna to take some time, and we're just going to pray for that family. Um, his his dad does not serve Jesus. His dad is from the Middle East and um, identifies himself as a Muslim. And so it was amazing to be able to go in that room last night with Abdul standing there against the wall and him to see the love of Jesus. And he thanked me over and over again. And obviously I prayed in the name of Jesus. And uh, Abdul was thanking me for being there. And so was Rebecca, uh, Zach's mom. So why don't we just take a moment and just pray. Thank the Lord for the protection of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that angel that was with Zach, that he can't figure out who that buddy was. And let's just ask that everything would be eradicated. He's 16 years old, plays football for Spencer County. Uh, he's, I mean, he's in and out of our house all the time. I mean, he's, he's, he's somebody that is closely, closely connected to us. So can we do that? Can we just pray? Let's do that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful for your protection, your provision. So grateful for your protection over my son. I'm thankful for your protection over Zach thankful that I was able to talk to him last night, lay hands on him and pray for him. God, I'm asking right now that you would go above and beyond what doctors and nurses are able to do and that you would completely bring healing. Let the testimony of Jesus speak loudly in that room and in that hospital. God, I pray for Rebecca and Abdul and Sam. 
God, I ask that you would minister to their hearts. We silence every voice of fear. We silence every voice of the enemy that would say it's the absolute worst. And we ask right now, God, whatever they're, 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 whatever the source of the internal bleeding that they think may be there, that it would stop immediately. God, I'm asking that there would be no paralysis specifically. I'm asking that you would heal every extremity. God, I'm asking that you would minister to Zach's heart as well. Let him know the destiny that you saved his life for. God, I pray that you would release that over his family and everyone connected. God, I'm asking you to go into that hospital room right now and heal Zach Toma right now. Let it be a testimony of your faithfulness as a healer. And so we thank you for the provision that we've already experienced. We thank you for ministering angels that were with Zach last night that protected him and kept him and spared his life. And we trust you to do everything completely in the name of Jesus. We're so grateful for you and we're so thankful for your healing power. We bless you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to give you one more testimony. Can I do that? So I was talking, uh, you all have heard me say this over and over again. Um, babe, that, that just ain't going to work right there. She ain't going to be able to. Yeah, yeah we'll have to have see what happens. You've heard me say over and over again that my son, Trenton, the oldest, who's out in uh, Eureka, California, uh, I, I remember he's about 10 years old. We're driving down the road and he literally says, dad, why would the Lord give me this social security number and this guy's age driving on Beulah church road, right at Barstown road, 10 years old. And I said, well, I say, he's trying to, to train you to hear the voice of the Lord. I mean, he, he's 10 years old. He doesn't even know the order of a social security number. And he says, boom, but you know, he gives three, two and four. And uh, I said, well, he's, he, you know, he's, I said, he's just trying to teach you. I said, just listen closely. And I talked to Trenton, uh, had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago. And um, he said, dad, he said, it's, uh, he said, you know, we've talked before and, and, you know, I can hear the voice of the Lord. He said, but I stopped listening for a while. And he says, it's really cool that he's talking to me again. And I said, yeah, that's real cool. So I was talking to him two nights ago. He's had some issues with his phone and he texted me and he said, dad, he said, I get off work at eight, my time, 11. He said, can I call you then? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, um, so he called me and we were talking and, um, uh, honestly, Reading, I, I wouldn't send my kids to Reading for anything other than Bethel. Any of you that have been to Reading, you understand that. Well, if I wouldn't send them to Reading for anything other than Bethel, including Bethel, I'm not sure I would want to send them to Eureka, where Trenton is. <laughs> it's just a unique place, unique place. So anyway, he's got an, an apartment, and uh, somebody, he told me the other day, uh, somebody stole his clothes out of the dryer. And I said, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, it's no big deal. He said, I guess they needed them. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, man, that's amazing. So anyway... Anyway, I'm talking to him the other night, and um, there was a drug dealer at the apartment complex, and um, 
Trenton and uh, his friend Bryson that he lives with were talking to him about Jesus, and they were like, hey, let's, let's go to church. You need to go with us. And so they got the, the boy a Bible, this drug dealer, got him a Bible, take him to church. Trenton gets there. He said, now listen, this is Trenton talking. He said, listen, he said, you're going to feel some stuff in this service. And he said, it's the Holy Spirit. He said, so it's okay. He said, just physically, you're going to feel some stuff. And he's walking him through that. And he said about midway through, he hears this boom. And this guy grabs his arm and he's like staggering and just bawling, crying. This drug dealer um, is bawling, crying in service. And Trenton was like, see, I told you, you know, that's, that's what's going to happen. A couple of days later, they go back to the apartment complex and there's another guy that's out there. And uh, he was, he was uh, of Hispanic descent and um, again in the drug game. And uh, they were, the other drug dealer was sharing a little bit about Jesus and this guy was skeptical. And so Trenton came out and um, the guy was kind of going at Trenton a little bit saying, man, what is this that, you know, you can hear the voice of the Lord. He's like, man, I'm just telling you, Jesus talks to me. And he said, whatever, whatever. And Trent said, I'm serious. He said, as a matter of fact, and I don't remember it, but he said, who is da-da-da-da-da? And gave the guy his sister's name verbatim, like a, a Hispanic name. It was like a, a, a Mia or something like, I can't remember what it was. But Trenton told her, he said, this is, this is, this is her name. And he said, I'm trying to tell you, Jesus talks to me. And he's like, the guy just freaked out. And uh, I, I just, I, I sat there and, and, you know, I'm, I'm dad, I'm like, oh my word you know this is amazing you know this is this is what first of all i'm like jesus name where, where is he that all these drug dealers are there and trenton is so nonchalant about it he's like and then then a, one of the big bosses came and he said we didn't realize it but there were 10 bodyguards around our complex watching him the whole time as we were talking to him as well and uh so they the guy is talking to trenton and uh, he gives him his sister's name and then prays for him a little bit. And I just was sitting there thinking that um, I'm just grateful that Trenton started listening again. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that he started listening again. And um, I, I say that to say, go after those things because it's real. Go after those words of knowledge, things like that. It's it's absolutely real. And seriously, I'm not exaggerating. There's story after story after story that I could tell you about all of them. Um, but the Lord is just blowing Trenton's mind right now. And so it's amazing. And I'm excited they're going to be home here before long. And so I'm going to give them the mic and let them tell you what's going on. Um, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Every time we get to talk to Trenton, Cameron, Haley, Lexi, um, all of those firebrands that are out there from awakening and just, just going at it. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. And you guys are a part of that. And so we're so grateful for the way that you have loved our families and, um, excited. So anyway, I just wanted to share another testimony. Amen. Let's pray. Rebecca's going to come and I'm going to pray for my wife. Is that okay? Father, I thank you so much for the word of the Lord that is in Rebecca Bain. I thank you, God, that she is a vessel that is used by your Holy Spirit, that she hears the word of the Lord clearly, and she communicates that to us clearly. God, I thank you for the fire that's in her bones. God, I thank you 
that we get to run together. Thank you for the powerful woman of God that she is. And we honor that in this house. And we bless her today to release the word of the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How is everybody? Are you good today? That's good. That's good to hear. Um, I'm excited about the opportunities that we have. Um, it was it was such an honor to be a part of Scarlet Hope ten years ago, being able to cook food for dancers and bouncers and all of the ones. And I've always prayed for Scarlet Hope and had hoped for another opportunity to be involved uh, more hands-on. And so this is so awesome that we get to love on these ladies. And so <clears throat> because it was such short notice, that's why we're going to take up an offering and, and all of that. But moving forward, I really am hoping that whenever they give us a list of gifts that we'll be able to purchase those and then pray and prophesy over those gifts and anoint them that when they touch them that they'll feel the love of Jesus or if they need protection or whatever it is that we'll hear from the Lord about those women. So that's really exciting. Wow. So I know we've already prayed, but that's one of my favorite things to do. So I'm going to pray again. <laughs> Um, Holy Spirit, I just thank you for, I thank you for your pre your presence here. I thank you for your word, God, that it is sharp. It's actually sharper than any two-edged sword. It's so sharp that it can cut through bone and marrow straight through spirit and can bring life to us. And so, God, I don't want to add anything to your word. I just want it to do what it's supposed to do and to penetrate the spirits of your children this morning. God, I just ask that you would give us ears to hear, God, that we would hear what the Spirit is saying, not what I'm saying, but what the Spirit is saying, that we would receive all that you have for us today and that we would not just be hearers only, <clears throat> but we would be doers of the word and that we would not we would not walk away from the word of the Lord nonchalantly but that it would impact our lives that we would be changed today and forever and I thank you for your anointing on me and that you're going to let your words come out of my mouth and not my own that you would be glorified in everything that I say today. And I pray that in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. So today, um, I've actually been feeling this stirring in me probably since June of this year and actually have written out many, many notes since then about this um, specific topic. And um, I just really am grateful for the grace of God that I've looked through these notes over and over again and knew that it was truth and right and this is what God's saying but um, I think that he he wanted me to bring it in a, in a different way through grace and peace and kindness and tenderness and I really hope that I can communicate that <laughs> and that it doesn't come across any other way um, so 
I believe prophetically that we are entering into a new thing, that there is a huge door of opportunity that will be open to us very quickly. And for us to be able to walk through that door, I believe that there are weights and sins that we have walked with and carried that must be left to the side, that we must get rid of wounds and hurt and and specific sins that have been in our life so that as we go through this opportunity, this huge thing that the Lord is opening for us, that we will not trip over the threshold as we walk through it. I believe it is his kindness and his goodness that is illuminating his word today about those things, about those weights and sins and wounds that have pierced our heart that he wants to bring attention to. One of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 5.13, and it says that revelation, whatever revelation light exposes also has the power to correct. That, in my opinion, is so awesome because the buck doesn't stop with us, right? That means that when Jesus comes, and he exposes something in us in his kindness and in his gentleness that everything that we need to fix that it's already available that's awesome right so <clears throat> let me also say i recognize that as we look forward into 2020 a brand new decade can you imagine have you all seen the, the thing the memes and all the stuff online how on facebook and instagram where they're doing these 2009-2019 things i saw one the other day where it was a baby yeah, it was an ultrasound <laughs> picture and then it was the kid which is super cool um and then there's all kinds of other ones like uh, there's a picture of ryan and i in 2009 and he looks way different and I look a little different but um, I'm thankful for hair color <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway um, <clears throat> So we're looking forward to 2020, and we know that God, you know, so many people have talked about 2020 vision and all of that kind of stuff. And what we've been hearing here at Awakening Church is having right perspective and seeing things rightly. And that is part of what we're going to talk about today, seeing ourselves rightly and seeing with, with the perspective of heaven so that whatever it is that, <clears throat> that we have the opportunity to partner with Holy Spirit to do, that we're going to do that with strength and confidence and, and grace. But I must say that when I look back over 2019, it's not necessarily been a super fun year. And I would say that, that there'd probably be a lot of you in the room that could testify that that's an understatement. That there have been loss, there has been sickness, there has been um, just really not fun things that have come against us as a body, as, as individuals, as family. And so, um, so I was like, Lord, and, and I know we've kind of talked about this before too, but I, I've been like, Jesus, please show me. Let me see the gold. You know how we're supposed to dig through the dirt so we can find the gold. I'm like, show me what the gold is for 2019. What are the nuggets of truth and things that I can hold onto and grip onto so that I know there has been something wonderful that has come out of 2019. And I know that there has. There's been so many good things. Um, but I think that sometimes we, we forget that we're supposed to look up to the hills where our help comes from. It's from the Lord, right? And, and we keep our eyes down and we kind of see where our situations are and the things that have happened in our life. And so sometimes it can, and that's the perspective change, right? We're looking at our problems and our situations rather than looking up to the one that helps us. And so... 
So I'm like, Lord, show me, show me the gold. And I believe the Lord spoke to me and said, just like with the tabernacle in Exodus, I think I have that scripture. And let me just say, I have like a lot of scripture today because I really love to be able to have um, Bible, as Ryan says, for everything that I, that I bring because then I don't have to argue. Here it is. It's the truth right here in front of us. So um, it's in Exodus chapter 40. Just real quick. I don't even... You don't have to necessarily pull it up. I'll just I'll just read it really really quick. Um, it says, the, "Then the then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meetings, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So up before this, what happened? There was a consecration and a preparation of the tabernacle. There were so many details given how big something needed to be and how what kind of wood was to be used and how it was supposed to be overlaid with, with specific metals, whether it was brown, bronze or gold or silver, and, and the colors that were supposed to be used. Every intricate detail, things that were tedious and the working out of the process in preparation or what to say in consecration so that the tabernacle could be filled with the glory of God. So I want to tell you today that I believe that what 2019 has done for me and I believe for Awakening Church, it has been a time of preparation and in consecration unto God. And I want to finish 2019 well. We say that every single year. But I feel like it's even more significant now because of where we're going. There really is. I'm not, I'm, I hope that you understand this is not like cliche or whatever. This is legit. There really is a huge door of opportunity for us to go into. My belief is one of the major things of that is that we will see the largest end time harvest that any eye has ever seen that's living right now. I believe that with all of my heart that we are going to be a part of a third great awakening moving into 2020. And I want to be a part of that. Do you? I don't want to be someone standing on the side watching it happen. I don't want to be on the riverbanks. I want to be right in the middle of the deepest part of the river seeing Jesus get what he deserves, right? So as I said, I believe that we are in a time of consecration. And I, Ryan and I have been talking about this actually, about what are the next steps for us? What does it look like? And and I've, I've said this, I don't know if I've said it publicly, but I feel like personally that the Lord has taken me through a time of molting. Do you know what molting is? It's where a bird loses its old feathers and gains new feathers. And or or we could liken it unto pruning a tree. You know, it's awesome whenever we know that we're getting pruned because it's for a more excellent thing. It's for more excellent fruit, but in the meantime you're missing some branches and you look kind of naked. Just like with the molting, if you've ever seen a bird molt, it is actually really ugly. It's not cute. It's not a fun process necessarily to go through molting and preparation or pruning or consecration. But I'm here to tell you that it is so worth the end product. I'm reminded of the church in Revelation 3 of Laodicea. Jesus said, which I love when Jesus talks to the churches in Revelation 3, and he says to the Laodiceans, 
Let me find it. Maybe I didn't. Yeah, here we go. So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can truly be rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye salve to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those I dearly love, I unmask or I purge or I molt. <laughs> Do you hear me? And I train them. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Behold, I am standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me and the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting with me on the throne just as I conquered and sat down by my father on his throne. So what do we get when we let him come in and unmask us and molt? We get to sit in th on thrones with Jesus. We get to buy pure gold and he's saying buy it from me. You know, this is this is the purest. This is the kind that is is comes by the fire, the refining fire. So I sense in my spirit, as I've already stated, the urgency for us to be untangled, for us to um, unchain ourselves or, or to untether us, ourselves. The undoing and the untangling is for what lays ahead of us, the door of opportunity that I've already mentioned. This is a... this. Is open for the children of God. Holy Spirit and in his kindness is shining and he is revealing. You recognize right now, you've heard this over and over again, that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is his goodness that takes us there, that, that brings cleanliness to our spirit. And I am so thankful for the kindness of God. I believe that... that Ryan's song that he wrote in 2013, The Anthem of Awakening, there's a, there's a line there. And if I were to title my message, this is what it would be. We're people of the mountain. In the lyric, it says, we're people of the mountain, right? And we're going to climb the mountain of God. Basically, that's what he's alluding to in the lyric. And so Psalms chapter 24, it says... Who then ascends into the presence of the Lord, the mountain of God? Who ascends the mountain of the God? And who has the privilege to enter into his holy place? Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth. Those who never deceive, whose words are sure, they will receive the Lord's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. They will stand before God, for they seek the pleasure of God's face, the God of Jacob. Pause in his presence, or see. So think about that for just a moment. Moment. Think about think about being people of the mountain. That it is not something that we take lightly. It is not something that we just can get into an elevator and press the the top button and we get to go all the way up. Do you hear what I'm saying? There is something that it costs when we choose to be people of the mountain, and that means that there are weights. 
that easily beset us, things that get in the way. It's not just weights. And the Passion Translation, I like the way they say it. It says, the wounds that pierce us. It doesn't say weights. Because wounds become things that we take on and we hold and we carry. And they weigh us down. And there's something that deters us from getting to the mountain of God. Our goal as a community is to dwell with him on the top of the mountain. Yeah. To behold his face and in his splendor and to live with him it's not a visitation it's not just to go and say hi how are you doing but it is for us to live on the top of the mountain to make our abode there our, our home there and I'm here to tell you today that we are not at the top of the mountain we would love I would love to be able to say we're at the top of the mountain we're all good Everything's great. But I'm telling you, the reason I know that we are not at the top of the mountain is because of the fruit or the fruitlessness that is in our lives. I'm not seeing miracles. Now listen, this morning as we were singing Champion, I believe that hope was rising and there was faith in the room. And as we begin to sing the lyric, when I open my mouth, miracles break out. I trust that and I believe with all of my heart. But it's one thing to say it in a service where it feels really good and we get tinglies and chill bumps all over. And then it's another thing to leave this place and go to our homes and be in the middle of wherever we are in our situations and then we're not looking in that anymore and we're not speaking the miracle over ourselves or over our situations we're speaking death that's proof that we're not living at the top of the mountain we are people of the mountain God give us clean hands and a pure heart we want to be people of the mountain that ascend the hill of the Lord so as people of the mountain, we must be ones that have clean hands and a pure heart. So the heart represents what? It represents what we focus on. That is the center of who we are, right? It's, it's what we look at or how we feel about certain situations or what we want. Or in other words, our mind, our will, and our emotions right so we the the way for us to ascend the mountain of god is that our mind our will and our emotions is clean and pure before the lord and how does that not happen what are the things that that cause us to not have clean hands and a pure heart and the clean hands it represents our works what we do with our actual hands right but I just want to focus on our hearts for just a minute because it's a heart issue. <laughs> and I believe that if we can get our hearts in alignment and pure before the Lord, it's going to be easy for us to go wash our hands. Do you hear me? It's, it has to be from the inside out. So as people of the mountain, we must have clean hands and a pure heart. Our hearts represent what we focus on, what we desire, how we really feel. But, in our, but our hearts at, are divided. We cannot go where he is offering us to go. What is dividing our hearts? I'm reminded of James chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. This is why I want to have the word of God, because it's proof, right? James 1, 6 through 8. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. 
Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord when you're in this condition? Just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you will receive. For ambivalent person believes one minute and then doubts the next minute. Being undecided makes you like become like the rough seas driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and you're tossed down the next. You cannot climb a mountain if you're unstable. There's no way if you have, if you have uh, shakiness or you're, you're, well, maybe this, I'm going to do this this minute or, oh, no, actually I'm going to do this the next minute. If you are not sure and have confidence in it, then you cannot climb the mountain of God. You, your hiking boots won't help you. You need to have a security in foot. What is dividing our hearts? Is it the American dream? So. What does a divided heart looks lo- look like? It's, it's as if we have two, you're, you're at a crossroads, you're at a fork, and you wanna try to go down this way, and then you wanna try to go down this way, and then I wanna try to go down this way, and then I wanna try to go, well, you're not going anywhere. Because you, you can't make a decision, you're unstable, your heart is divided. It makes me think of Moses. Moses still had a little bit of Egypt in him when he needed to be fully out of Egypt, all of those things out of him so that he could be fully in the kingdom of God or with the children of Israel and lead them the way that he was supposed to do. But he couldn't. There was still something in him. Let's not be like Moses. Let's not have divided hearts. What is the American dream? You know, it's the house, the white picket fence, the 2.5 kids, two or three kids. Those things can take our, our, our eyes. It can divide our hearts. Whenever we're trying to go after the 401k or the bigger house or the pool in the backyard to keep up with the Joneses, to make sure that I have what I need to have for status. Well, I say to hell with the American dream. I have no interest in living an American dream. Let me just tell you something. Jesus is not American. Does, does everybody understand that? And there has been a lie perpetuated inside the church that we need to have the, the nice car and the house and all of that. We need to be secure. And I recognize that I'm in, I'm in a group of people that, that we are trying, right? We're trying to get through. We might not live in Bel Air. No, we can't because we're in Kentucky, but... what I'm saying is that for us it might not look like we're trying to move into Lake Forest or Cooper Creek Copper Creek or whatever that might not be what it is but it might be that oh I need to work just a little extra hours because I need some extra Christmas gifts for my kids or fill in the blank I want to work extra I need I've got debt I need to pay off and, and it can suck the life out of us when we're consumed with paying off debt or, or the next level of something. When we're consumed with that, it divides our attention from what we're supposed to look at. And we're supposed to look at him. He is our source. We don't need our employer or our 401k. We don't need those things for our sources. Let me just tell you, that's something that Ryan and I, a long time ago, a long time ago decided that we're not going to let our bank account dictate what we do and how we serve the Lord. And I would venture to say that you can look at your bank account right now and see who you serve. 
I believe that where our money goes is where our heart is. Who is your idol? <laughs> Are you serving yourself? Are you serving your belly? Are you serving your mortgage? Sometimes we have to pay our mortgage. I'm not saying don't pay your bills. I hope you understand. <laughs> is it a career that divides your attention from the beautiful one, the one that has eyes of fire? Is it your family that divides your attention? Are you so focused on your family? You know, as a mother, I have seen where there have been opportunities in my life for my children to become an idol that I was so consumed with making sure that all of their needs were met and that they were happy and whatever you can think of as a mom to do, um, that there's an opportunity for their basketball schedule, their volleyball schedule, their cheerleading schedule, all of those things to take precedent over them looking at Jesus and me looking at Jesus. What is dividing our heart? What is dividing your heart this morning? Now listen, I'm not bringing this because this is for um, the people that are outside of this church. I recognize that what I'm saying is for the body of Christ in the Western world at large, 100%. I totally believe that. But I know that this is mandated for Awakening Church right now. I believe that we as a body have divided hearts. I believe, and I know that this is hard and most of the time moms don't bring this kind of a word. <laughs> They're super nice and like, you're doing such a good job. But there are times where we have to bring a corrective word where we say, where is your heart? Why is it divided? What has your attention? We need to be people of the mountain and climb the mountain of God. And we cannot do that if our attention is divided. And it could be on yourself through pornography or it could be through anger there are so many opportunities. It can be, like I said, your career. Some of us may put our career over God because we're, seek, we're receiving something from this career that is feeding something in us that makes us feel some type of way. Where we can put our employer or what we do, our skills, ahead of God where our source and all of all of our fulfillment should come from him sometimes we have divided attention and our careers take that place instead of God The awesome thing about all of that I'm saying is that we don't have to do this alone and with, with blinders on. Everything that we need to live a life of holiness and of consecration unto God, we have available. As a matter of fact, the seed of God himself lives on the inside of you. The seed of God. We are God's children. The word tells us in Ephesians 5, in verse 8, we're going to start, I think it's where I'm starting, in verse 8. Ephesians 5. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, or once you had a divided heart. But now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with him. 
your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light and the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. You are already children of light. It is already in you. You have what it takes to, to be of one single eyed, as, as scripture would say, that we're, we're going to be single of heart, single of mind. Um, let's see, First Peter chapter 1. So then, this is uh, 13, verse 13. So then prepare your heart and mind for action. Stay alert. Fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. Verses 15 and 16. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For Scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. There it is right there. We are to be holy. Now listen, I want you to understand that yes, I recognize that everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in scripture. We know that all of us have sinned and that has happened, right? But because of the goodness of God, we are no longer a sinner saved by grace. I do not like that phrase. I don't ever want to classify myself as a sinner. I am now a saint because of the blood of Jesus and what he's done in me. And so now I call myself holy. And sometimes that can feel really weird, specifically if you've been raised in a religious um, atmosphere where, uh, where religiosity was more important than the Spirit of God. And there was this thing of, oh, I have to be so low and meek and all of that. Sure, we need to walk in meekness and we need to be humble, but we also need to know that we are holy. This says it right here in 1 Peter that we are to be holy as he is holy. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, here's where we also don't get out of this whole thing. <laughs> Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come into him through glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price. That means you don't have to pay for it, but they're super valuable, right? So that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature. Come on, because of these, we get to experience the divine nature of God. Every tool we need to live in holiness, to be holy as he is holy, it is in us. The seed of God lives in us. And we get to be partakers of the divine nature of God, by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of this world. So devote yourself to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness, and the goodness to goodness add understanding, and to understanding add the strength of self-control, and self-control add patient endurance, and to patient endurance add godliness. Those things right there are all because we partner with the Holy Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's in Galatians, but what I mentioned right there, those are all fruits of the Spirit. This is because we get to partake of Him. We have the power to live godly lives. We have the power to live holy and righteous and be in self-control. That's something I'm working on, okay? I'm just being real. Self-control. 
Since these virtues are already planted deep within and you possess them in abundant supply, abundant supply, that means they don't, or they're not going to run out. That means that when you come up against a thought the next day and you're like, I don't know. no, 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 you have an abundant supply of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you because you're choosing to part with, partner with him once again to eradicate darkness, to eradicate wounds, to eradicate weights and sin. You can do it over and over and over and over again. You can walk in self-control. They will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But if anyone lacks these things, he's blind. Constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence. For his past sins have been washed away. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claim you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Listen, it is possible to live a life without sin. It is possible to live sinless. Don't believe the lie that you have to sin every day. That's garbage. It's total garbage. But I will say that that was something that I was raised in. Like people that were leaders in my life are like, yeah, it's normal to sin every day. No, it is not normal. When you are in Christ Jesus, if you are inside of him, it is normal for you to live sinless. And this is the scripture, this is Bible that proves that you do not have to do it alone, that he's given you everything. And if you say you don't have them, you're blind. Open your eyes. Let Holy Spirit unveil. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all that you give us, right? Thank you. Thank you that you implant all that we need on the inside of us so that we can live undivided that you would have our undivided attention god that's how we want to live and what's so amazing is it doesn't stop there john chapter 14 verses 15 through 17 say and i will ask the father this is jesus talking he's praying or actually he's just talking to his, his disciples i will ask the father and he will give you another savior the holy spirit of truth who will be to you as a friend just like me and he will never leave you never leave you he will never leave you he will never leave you he will never leave you the world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will inside you and will live inside of you this is what i love this is what i want you to hear loving me empowers you to obey my commands how simple is that that's so easy to love God, right? To love Jesus, to love the Holy Spirit. We get to live free and we get to experience this life of freedom and be empowered just by loving him. Guys, that's like too good to be true, right? No, because it's truth and it's right here. But that's how God works. There are so many things that, that I've just spoke of. These promises from God that seem too good to be true. But here is proof, proof that it is true. With God, all things that seem to be too good to be true are true. That's awesome. So in John 14, um, verse... Sorry. Verse um, 23, Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word and my father will love you so deeply 
that we will come to you and make you our own dwelling place. Guys, this is so flipping cool that we don't have to live in sin. We get to be empowered just because we love. And we have to be reminded, though, in 1 John, it tells us that we don't love because of ourself, right? His love is given to us. It's imputed. as That's Ryan's word, and I like to use that. It's a big word, imputed. His love is imputed in us, so that means it's not our own love. It's kind of like a love transplant. We get to have his love in us and use it, and that is what empowers us to live holy lives, empowered to do what we're supposed to do. And then it goes on to say that they're going to love us so deeply that they're going to live on the inside of us. That's what I'm talking about, the seed of God living on the inside of us. We have to become people of the mountain. And we have every tool that we need to live as people of the mountain. We want to ascend the hill of the Lord. Do you want to ascend the hill of the Lord? I'm asking you. I'm asking you now, are you wanting to learn from the church of Laodicea? Jesus said about the church of Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold. I like the way the, the, the Passion Translation said, of course I do. You're not even frozen <laughs> or lukewarm. You're so gross, basically, because you have no temperature that I'm going to puke you out. That's what he says about Laodicea. But he offers them the promise of, come and buy pure gold from me. Come and get it from me. It is the refining fire that makes our hearts undivided. That's what makes us stable instead of unstable in all of our ways. It's when we choose to look straight ahead and not to the left or to the right, whatever that looks like. You know, for some people, um, I remember early on for Ryan and I, when we were teenagers, we weren't even um, married yet. I mean, we were teenagers when we got married, but <laughs> we weren't married yet. And I remember um, conversations about, do we really want to go after this? Am I going to have to give up this lifestyle? Do you all remember that? And whenever the Lord starts to beckon you and call you and woo you to himself, you're like, yeah, but I'm having so much fun. I mean, I like you and all, God, but this over here is super attractive and I'm having a lot of fun. Do you know what I'm saying? And some of that can be the mission field <laughs> where you're like, I don't want to go to Africa <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> That's a divided heart. He's calling us to have singleness of mind, singleness of, my, of heart so that we can be people that walk through the door without tripping. Guys, I feel this so strong inside of me, and I know that my words are feeble, and I really hope that I'm able to communicate to you what, what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying for us as a community, that, that it is time to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. It is an invitation for consecration unto God. That doesn't mean necessarily that we need to focus on what we're saying no to. Because you recognize that with every yes in our life, you're actually saying no to something else. So that also means that when you have said yes to your career or the American dream or your families or your sin cycle, your laziness, your apathy, your apathy, your apathy, 
your apathy. You're saying no to God. When you are saying yes to those things. And I do not want to have a Hebrews 6 narrative where I put him on the cross over and over again because I'm choosing my sin over him. He does not deserve that. He is a holy, righteous God. And he has called us his own holy and righteous people. So I just want to make sure that everyone in the room understands. This message is for you. This message is for me. That we have been called an extraordinary people. We're not just ordinary, run-of-the-mill believers. We're an elite group of people. And I've said this to different people all over. I think I've, maybe I said it here recently. I think sometimes we forget that we're eagles when really we're supposed to soar and we live like chickens. Chickens are gross and dirty and they eat whatever. They'll even eat their own kind, whatever's put in front of them. They're flightless birds. They eat mites that they can't see real well. And they stay on the ground, they don't fly. That's not who you are. But when you begin, when you continue to choose to have a divided heart. Now listen, I'm not talking about us being murderers and stuff like that. I hope you understand that you're hearing the voice of God, not my own voice. That you're hearing what the Spirit is saying. That his kindness is revealing something to you. That through the word, through the light of who he is, that he is showing you, he's unveiling you in gentleness. The things that he is fighting against, that he wants to remove and pull out of you, to purge from you. He wants you to be refined by fire. He wants you to choose to walk up the mountain of God. He's asking you, just like the Shulamite, He's wanting you to come away. You realize that's what that whole narrative is about in Song of Songs. It's, it's this girl that's been working in a field and she's dirty. But the master, he loves her and he thinks she's beautiful. And he's wooing her and he's telling her how beautiful she is. That's you. He's telling you how beautiful you are, and he's giving you an invitation to leave that behind, the fields and the dirty mess, to leave all of that behind. And as a matter of fact, when we begin to partner with Holy Spirit, all that stuff that I said, like First and Second Peter and Ephesians 5 and all of those amazing verses, we have that in our pocket so that we understand that when we begin to walk up the mountain, listen to me, it's really him carrying us up mountain if you if you look at song of songs that's really what happens he invites her and she's like yes i'm gonna go and because of her maturity and growth over the time he's like yeah we can do this and i'm gonna carry her up the mountain wes will you go ahead and play that song this song right here has been ministering to me since it came out um and i will say that the words are they're scary. They're really scary words because it says that um, it's saying, I want to be tried by fire. And fire is hot. <laughs> 
And I think that our perspective has to change. Our eyes need to be single and we don't need to have a divided heart. Our perspective needs to be on the one who is the fire and he is the refiner. He's the one that burns up every bit of the chaff that is useless and it doesn't do any good in our life so that we can be that pure gold that even Jesus wants to sell. He wants to use you and me. There is a harvest that we have to be a part of. I do not want you to miss being a part of it. I'm not saying you're gonna miss heaven, don't hear me. I'm saying, don't you wanna partner with the bridegroom? So Holy Spirit, God, I just come before you right now and I just ask that you would, in your kindness and in your goodness, reveal the things in us that you are coming after. And I thank you that you're giving us the courage to do it, that we're going to let go of those things and let you have the reign. God, I, I remember what Cluddy says. He says, some of you have not given God veto power. And so God, right now, we just give you veto power. What does that mean? That means that my plans, my, my ideas, the things that I've set up for my life to be successful, we give you the opportunity to scratch it out and, and throw it out for it to not even be an option. We give you veto power, God. We want to be men and women of God that have clean hands and pure hearts that we could ascend the mountain of God to dwell, to behold your beauty, to see you face to face, God. And so right now, I just want to open the altars. This is between you and God. And I just want to create a spot for you here. Every, every bit of this altar is open for you to come and to lay whatever it is that you're seeing, whatever the Lord has brought to your mind, whatever Holy Spirit has said, you know what, that's, that's the thing that I want to come after. It's here. It's open here for you to come and to lay it down. And remember that he's given you everything you need. Everything you need to live a godly life in holiness. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.